Coming to you from Orlando, Florida. Orlando, Florida. And streaming around the world. Around the world. You're now tuned in to the Sales Samurai Podcast, the only B2B sales podcast providing unfiltered, unapologetic views and tactics directly from the sales trenches. Here's your host, Sam Capra. Well, welcome to another episode of the Sales Samurai. Thanks for listening. Before we begin, do us a favor, take a moment to subscribe and download. On today's show, we're going to be discussing five tips to mastering CRM for sales. And I have an amazing guest for you guys today, Miss Sarah Bean, founder of Virago Ventures. Sarah, thanks for being on the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you today. Yeah, you know, we talked offline. You know, CRM is this is near and dear to your heart. This is what you do. I want the I want you to kind of tell the audience a little bit about your background and what you're doing now. But CRM is one of those type of technologies that is a very much love hate relationship with me. Like I know the need of it from a reporting and a data, but God, it's not fun to use. So I'm really excited to kind of dig in here and figure out maybe I'm just bad at it. Maybe I don't know what the hell I'm doing. You're not alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. You're making me feel good. I like that. So before we begin, tell the audience a little bit about yourself, kind of what you're up to, what you do for you know, kind of the background, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. So my name is Sarah and I am based in Los Angeles. I've lived here for ooh, going on six, seven years. So I'm originally from Kentucky. Oh, wow. My background is very, yeah. So that was a, a quite a change. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I mean, you can't beat the weather. It's much nicer in LA than it is in Kentucky. So but my background is heavily in sales, marketing, business development. So when I moved out here, I started working with a bunch of startups. And a lot of my role within those startups was implementing CRMs and getting them set up with them either from scratch or moving them from something else into something better. So I just did that while also selling and managing teams. And I just understand how difficult it can be to try to juggle all of those responsibilities, you know, especially for sales leaders, even sales reps, because uh, what you said is you're not alone. It is a, I think definitely probably more of a hate relationship for many, many salespeople. They kind of have to use it. It's not like they're <laughs> like, yeah, I get to enter this information in Salesforce. They don't want to deal with that. I get it. So it's definitely more of a, a hate relationship. So <laughs> yeah, now I just really work with companies to help them either implement it or optimize it to get more use out of it. So helping sales leaders and sales reps and anyone who uses a, a CRM to just get more use out of it. So yeah. so yeah, that's what I do. That's fantastic. So I have to ask the question. I lived in Kentucky for a few years. So are you a cardinal or are you a wildcat? Oh, oh, I have to say wildcat. Yeah, I'm for, like I lived in Lexington. Oh. So yeah, UK all the yeah. way. So yeah, I, I, <laughs> but I mean, even now I, I don't watch. I don't keep up with it anymore. So I, I have to say I'm, I'm a bad, I'm a bad Kentuckian. But yeah, UK all the way, all the way. <laughs> That's awesome. That's fantastic. So hey, I'm always interested. I know you do just, you know, having in conversations we've had, getting to know you online, offline through LinkedIn and things of that nature. You do have a very broad spectrum from a sales background. Tell me a little bit about what got you started in sales, kind of where, where the passion kind of came from for sales, if you don't mind. Well, that's an interesting question. I like to say I fell into it. I didn't like it at the beginning whatsoever. I hated, I, I was not very good at it. I wasn't very competitive. <laughs> 
So I started in sales as soon as I graduated college. I was just trying to find a job, any kind of job I could possibly find. I graduated in 2010. So it's been a little while now. Yeah. 2010, 2011. So yeah, I found a, a job selling cell phones. And then I moved into another role selling TV, phone, and internet to people that were moving. And I did that for like four years. So it was a very structured sales position. So I learned a lot of good foundation in working in a call center. Because I don't know if you've ever experienced working in a call center, but it's very repetitive. You do the same thing over and over (laughs) and over again. So you get really good at having those like conversations and and things like that. So yeah, then going from a very structured environment to a call center to going to a startup in Los Angeles, working with just a bunch of like 25 to 30 year olds was <laughs> like night and day. But it was nice because I, I did have at least a lot of like foundational things I could lean on. But it was a change. It was definitely a, a change for sure. I yeah. I think that's such a good call out. And one of my, some people might disagree with me and that, that's fine. I actually believe the best thing I did was go to an organization that had a good sales training before I started trying to get into the startup world, right? That doesn't have a lot of those foundational things. Yes. I felt like I would have been flailing trying to figure it out on my own without the structure. So having that as a background really helped me kind of jump ahead. Now, some people like the glitz and the glamour of, hey, I want to, I want to be on the ground floor of a startup. Let me just jump in there. Yeah. But there's a lot of value in starting at a more established organization, right, Sarah? Oh, yeah, I would definitely agree. Even in the in the moment, I was probably like, I hate this. And I struggled a lot and had frustrations with it. But everything led to what it needed to do. So yeah, I would definitely agree. It, it can be fun to go to those, you know, more loose environments that are, you know, you have more autonomy. But going into a place that is more structured can definitely give you a really good foundation to, to grow from. Yeah. It's amazing. I just think back in on my sales career that a lot of things that I still kind of resort to, like in the back of my mind, like the basics, right? The blocking and tackling. I can really quickly trace it back to those early positions, like almost the first one. Like that's where I learned that. And that's been ingrained in me for this 20 some odd years. And it's, it's amazing how you're able to pull that from the mental Rolodex. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like overcoming objections and just building rapport, like those foundational things. Mm-hmm. Some people may say that's good and bad. There's, that's a curse and a blessing because I'm sure I learned a lot of bad things that uh, I've probably carried forward as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's important to be coachable. It's important <laughs> to learn and grow <laughs> and adjust as needed. <laughs> right. That's amazing. So let's jump in because this is something, there's a couple of things I want to get your opinion. We were talking offline in really how to master CRM. And there's a lot of tips you're going to be provided. We're going to be talking through, but I just want to get your thoughts because I know you work predominantly with Zoho. There's the sales forces of the world. There's the pipe. Like there's a lot of players out there. Like, like, and I know we're going to talk about these subjects line, but are you seeing the space getting more crowded in the CRM or you start seeing more acquisitions of those big dogs buying the smaller ones? What are you seeing just at a very high level, if you don't mind? Kind of a little bit of both. I mean, because you like MailChimp was recently acquired by, it's not a CRM, but it's in the same sphere of things. Um, it was recently acquired by Intuit. So the same folks that do QuickBooks and things like that. So that's kind of like little indications that 
that companies, I think, are not only just trying to expand their portfolio to kind of bring the full picture, the full process into your tech stack, because everybody's tech stack is probably getting pretty large lately. You know, you might have a CRM, you have an email tool, you have a task management tool, you have an analytics tool, website management, chat, you know, there's so many things. Um, So I think that is definitely why I do gravitate towards, why I have gravitated towards Zoho more so. I've worked with Zoho for six years or so. It was one of the first CRMs that I was introduced to. Salesforce was actually the first one. I wasn't a fan. So I found something else and that happened to be Zoho and I've just loved it ever since. But they do have something that's called Zoho One and you're able to kind of bring a lot of these workflows into this one umbrella. So it's easier to integrate a lot of this. But yeah, there's definitely a lot of growth in, I think, the ability to do processes within these systems and integrating it into your workflows rather than it being like this additional cumbersome tool that you have to have. It's something that you kind of like want to have to try to make your processes and your workflows more efficient. Without a doubt. Yeah, I was curious because, you know, obviously the sales tech stack space is expanding leaps and bounds. You know, it was the MarTech space that was just expanding and booming. And there is a lot of overlap between the two tech stacks, without a doubt. HubSpot, I think, is a hybrid of both. And there's a lot out there. Like you said, MailChimp is starting to kind of cross the line as well. But CRM has obviously always been the necessary evil. Like it, that should be the foundational tool of any sales organization. So I'm just curious what you are saying. So we were talking offline and we're gonna, there's a lot more layers to this, but we're going to basically bucket this into two kind of tent pegs, if you will, kind of the foundational pieces. One being implementation, kind of what are the tips and the best practices? And then the second, which I think for me is probably the ch- most challenging thing is the change management things. How do we drive adoption? Like what are the best practices to get your team using it and maximize the solution? Uh, for them, so they're well aware and they get the data that they need and they're able to sell. But as from a leadership standpoint, you're able to get the data and be able to track and report. So let's talk a little bit about the implementation because there's a few that we were talking about and we were trying to kind of kick this offline. Walk me through kind of when you're looking at an implementation, what, what are the very first things you, you should be doing right at the onset, Sarah? I mean, definitely if you are implementing something new, evaluating the different tools that you have. Because like you said, there are a ton of players on the game. I mean, I think last statistic I saw was something like 60,000 different CRM vendors to choose from or options. I mean, and that's not even including like, you know, just using a spreadsheet or using a notepad to keep track of your of your stuff. Yeah, There's so many different ways and methods to keep track of your contact information. So really finding the right tool, but also, you know, the right tool for you and your company and your team is really important. What's your recommendation? Because you're right. I find myself always just falling back into Salesforce. Like everywhere I've been that I've led a sales team, just Salesforce has kind of always followed because it's probably like you said, it's just what I know. Like you like you know Zoho and just what you do. But how would you recommend a leader being not unbiased, but really saying, hey, I mean, is Salesforce, is Zoho actually a better solution for me? I only got two sales reps. I don't have 500. Like, how would you recommend kind of selection criteria, if you will, from your standpoint? You know, I mean, there's tons of online research that you can do, you know, and and there's tons of articles that are coming out now that are comparing the CRMs and this and that. 
I think you have to take all of that really with a grain of salt because you don't know really who's writing it, if they're being paid to write it, if they've ever used it, how they've used it. So there are a lot of experts or advisors or consultants within each of those companies that can probably help guide you. I mean, when I talk to new clients, I've either the things that I talk about is, you know, we'll either figure out is Zoho right for them or if it's not, then maybe another tool is better for them. Maybe they need something a little bit larger or something that Mm -hmm. has more third-party integrations depending on what their current tech stack is. So I think it's really about looking at what you're currently using, but then also what the processes that you're your team is using? And then if you're able to marry those processes into your current systems, or do you need certain new systems? So you don't have to force the system to work for you. You want to find the right one based on on your needs at that time. And thinking long-term, you know, you may not need something big right now, but just because you don't need to utilize all of the modules or all of the features or all of the capabilities right off the bat, you could eventually grow into those in the future. So it's important to kind of think about what is your current process look like? And then what is it going to look like a month from now or even a year from now, potentially? No, I think that's a great call out. So, and the reason I I feel that I think I, I might've missed that either in a role or two ago, and even to some degree, even to this point is because once you're in it and you have all like, it's really sticky. Like it's hard to get out. Like once you're in a CRM and you've been using it and all that data, like it's just not like, Hey, well, we're going to switch today. That's not the type of tool, right? So you do have to think strategically, Hey, what do I need now in my current state? And, but what's my future state going to look like? And can that tool scale with me? That should be just as big a criteria as the current set, right, Sarah? Oh yeah, for sure. And these tools are constantly changing. All of them are coming out with new updates, new partnerships, Salesforce and Slack. That's another one that was a big partnership, big acquisition recently. So yeah, thinking about all of those things, like how is it going to work currently? And then how is it going to work in the future? And then what is your team size looking like? You know, you may have one salesperson now, but that could change. And two, three months from now, you have 10. And then like, is it going to be outrageously expensive to bring on all 10 of those users or thinking about licenses and, and contracts? And are you locking yourself into something long-term? Because you're right, it's it's definitely tough to get out. I mean, a lot of, I have worked with companies who are like, oh, if we can't get Zoho to work for us, then we'll just switch to something else. Or if we can't get this to work for us, we'll just switch to something else. And I'm like, like, you can do that, but typically it's not the tool, it's the way that you're using it. So if you move to a new tool with the same types of processes and behaviors, you're probably going to end up in the same place. So sure, it's kind of about working with an expert if possible or working with other users within that CRM. There could be a good... Salesforce has a huge community. Zoho has a great user community. Pretty much all of them have a really good user community base. You can go on there and read about what users are saying about the system, you know, now and how, how they're getting use out of it. So. Yeah. You know, I've seen systems like G2 that do the rankings and comparisons and verified users. Those are somewhat helpful in kind of evaluating in my time. I've, when I've done this, which really has been few and far between from a CRM, because to my point earlier, I kind of always just fall back into Salesforce. I, you know, I talk to my immediate network. Hey, what are you guys using? 
How do you like it? What don't you like about it? Like, Mm -hmm. and I find that's usually the best indicator for me. And I try to get that whittled down to maybe a company my size or close to my size, or at least where I may want to be in the next couple of years. That might help me as well. Yeah. But one of the exercises, I want to get your thoughts on this, because one of the exercises that I went through recently, as we've, you know, as I've tried to be more efficient in my tech stack, right? Because CRM is your base, but then you have all these things that layer into it, you know, whether it's outreach, sales loft, you've got Zoom info and all these things that touch it. I think, Sarah, someone told me, first, you should ask yourself, where's your team actually going to spend their time? Or do you want them in the CRM every day? Or are they going to be spending all day in sales loft and outreach? And that just really becomes the repository. That should be the first criteria in your mind is like, where do you want these people to live? Because if it's in the CRM, then you're probably looking more for a UI that's going to be much more conducive to -to day-to-day use. What's your thoughts on that? Am I off base? Help me understand that a bit. No, not at all. I mean, I actually had a project not too long ago that wanted to use SalesLoft and it didn't integrate with Zoho as nicely as it did with Salesforce. Um, so that was like a big consideration for them because they're like, if we like, you know, right now they were really small, they didn't have a big sales team. So SalesLoft wasn't as much of a priority, but they were like six months from now, we're definitely going to want to use it. So I was like, well, if that's the case, Right. it's going to be much easier for you to just use Salesforce. So yeah, that's like a, a great thought. And even map it out. I, I'm a big visual person. So I like to mind map it out and think about what is the flow of data? Where is it coming from? So it's great if it can all store into your CRM, but it doesn't necessarily mean that your team has to be working out of it constantly. It just depends on what you need feeding into it at that time. So whether that's even LinkedIn. Are you working off of LinkedIn most of the day? And then, but yeah, that's a good thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I found kind of adopting that and, you know, sales loft now was outreach now sales loft kind of being our tent peg and kind of our foundational where we do live and breathe. So my main criteria, my non-negotiable is it's got to talk to sales loft first and foremost, like the, whatever we add to that tech stack's got to talk to sales loft. If not, it's an automatic knockout. Yeah. And then it's got to be a seamless bi-directional CRM integration as well. If not, then that's a non-negotiable as well. Just to kind of keep whittling that down to make sure that we're doing the best thing from an efficiency uh, standpoint as possible when it comes to our tech tech. Because it's, it's important too to note that even if there are certain integrations that are direct, and then there's integrations that are like from a third party where you could use like a Zapier or something like that, And that's great, but just have to keep in mind, do you want to maintain that additional level of complexity to the project? That's a great call-up because there are these, to your point, Trey.io, Zapier, I think even IFTT does it out there, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. But you're right. It does allow much more connectivity, but maybe not the granularity you're looking for. So that should be another criteria you want to explore as well. So this is kind of a universal truth among all CRs, whether you're talking about Zoho, Salesforce, any of them, is customizations, fields, adding fields. What are you looking for? What should those look like? And this is where I actually believe leaning on someone like what you do is so important because I've looked at my Salesforce instance just the other day and I'm like, I don't recognize 64% of these fields. Like We haven't used these fields in six years. Like I don't even know why we created these fields. Is that a common thing, like just go field crazy? It's not necessarily field crazy. It's one, the systems, all of them will come with default fields that company 
assumes you will probably want to use. For example, Zoho has like SIC code or on accounts or annual revenue or number of employees. Not very many people really care to go in and fill that in every time. Some might, but what happens is you just implement it, you start using it, you put your data in there and you you don't realize that you can go in there and hide things or move things around or change the label or do that customization because you're so busy doing everything else from your day-to-day. You just got the tool going and you think that's how it needs to go. So that's like usually problem number one. And then problem number two comes into play when you're like, oh, we need to add this. Let's add it here. Let's add it here. Let's add it here. And it's not really understanding where to add it or how it gets added or right. or how the flow of data goes between modules or different things like that. So it's just kind of like lack of understanding on how to customize it. So then fields get stuck places and might not be the best field type. Maybe you put in a, a number field and you meant to put in a percent field and, and now you're stuck with this number field and you're like, oh, or you know, you wanted it to be a currency field. I mean, there's just so many options within that when it comes to customization, it can get overwhelming. And then another thing too is when uh, migration, usually migrations cause a lot of issues with fields. I've worked with one client who migrated from Salesforce and they just did a direct migration and it just pulled every single field over. So even if they were using it or not. So now in Zoho, they have all of these fields that were relevant in Salesforce, but they're not relevant now. So it's like, how do we get these all cleaned up? So it's a, it's a common thing. It's definitely a common thing. You're not alone in that to go in there and look and be like, what is this? I mean, even me, I'm, I'm even guilty sometimes of like wanting to test something out and see how the system works. And I'll stick a field in there and then be like, what did I put that in here for? I don't need that. So it's like, right. there's all kinds of different reasons for, for it to happen. But that usually is a, a reason why uh, user adoption is lower in those cases because the users get you know, overwhelmed by the amount of data that's in there. They don't know what they're supposed to update. They don't know what they have the authority to update, what they don't have the authority to update. So keeping up on... That's a big thing that I implement is I'm like, what kind of data are you currently tracking? And what do you want to store on a field level within the CRM? Because you you may want to keep that information in there, but you may not need to store it in a field. Maybe it's just a note, or maybe it's a task, or maybe it's a, some other type of record within there. But yeah, you're not alone. <laughs> what is a best practice there? Like when evaluating create a field, not create a field, like you said, I think obviously the table stakes is what data you actually need and are going to use. That should be your leading, that should be your Northern star. But there's always these glimpses of sales leaders or salespeople, ooh, I'm going to need that at some point. So let me go ahead and create it now. Like are there best practices, tips that you would give just in the criteria you should be thinking of before you ever create a field, regardless of what that field is, decimal, money, currency, whatever. Any tips that you can offer in kind of the evaluation process? Yeah, usually, I mean, one, just like, do you want to build a report on this? Do you want to be able to track this in a reporting level? Or do you just want to be able to keep that information somewhere? So that's like a good thing to think about. And then talk to your team talk to your team. I think that's like the biggest thing is a lot of sales leaders will just stick a field in there because they think that they need it. But tell your team like, hey, I want to start tracking this metric. Where do you think is the best place to store it? You're in it every day. So you're the one who's going to be actually going in there and updating it. So if they're able to kind of give you that feedback and their their thought process, then they're going to be you know more empowered 
to fill in the information and to understand why. That's a big thing is, is why. Right. Like, why am I filling this in? Why am I updating this? <laughs> I think that's a great catch on your side. I love that, just that bare bone, like, hey, do you want to report on it or do you just want to capture it? Because reporting on it is a lot different than just having it as a piece of information in there, right? Yeah, or build a list. So another thing is like, do you want to build a report on it or do you want to be able to like build a list and segment on it? You can build lists or views within your modules on like contact type is customer or is prospect or is that. So that's a good field to have in there. But like one field I see a lot, it comes standard in a lot of CRMs. It's like next step. And it's just a field that you just would type in like what the next step is. And I don't like it because it's handy for that one next step. But then what happens once you do that next step? Do you just delete that information and put something new in there? Like, I just don't like it. So it's like, use a task for that. Or or I don't know. I just think it's like, you know, but that's, that's a, is there a reason to want to be able to go back and report on it or build a list and segment that that module on it, that information? Yeah. So what you're saying then is if you want to report on it, you want to build a list that you could segment off of it. Mm-hmm. There might be some credibility to actually creating a field. Still talk to the team, still mm-hmm. make sure it aligns with the process and everything. But if you pass that initial sniff test, okay, now dig in a little further. If yeah. those two things aren't what you're trying to get from it, then you should automatically think to yourself, I don't really need to create a field here. Let's just capture it as a yeah. note or whatever the case might be. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So this kind of leaks into the the third piece of this, which is still into the implementation, is understanding and standardizing things across the board. Because I agree with you. I create something, but, and this kind of leaks into another thing, is if it's not standardized, how we all approach using that field or using this system, making it standard, it adoption automatically is set up to fail because I don't know what I'm doing and no one's ever told me that this field is for that. So therefore I don't even fill it in, right? So let's talk a little bit about standardization and how, when you're talking about standardization, how do you define that? Like what's your talking points around standardization? I guess for me, it's trying to keep things aligned across the system. So I look at leads and contacts and accounts and deals. Looking at those are usually the main modules that most use in a CRM. So it's like, if I have a field that I want to make sure I track that information across all of those modules, I need to make sure that it's a common field type, right? So the field type's the same on all of those modules and that the information maps properly across all of those modules and that like pick lists are a really good example because if the pick list options in one module don't match the other one, you're going to have some inconsistencies there. And that could cause confusion. Yeah, things like that. Standardizing just the the options and, and trying to keep things similar, even down to like colors. Like Zoho offers um, pickless colors, which I, I really like that now. It makes things really pretty. But I try to keep it the same. <laughs> like if it's if it's it's a prospect as a the contact type is a prospect, then I want to keep that color the same across everything so that it, there's consistency. Otherwise, it's like it, it's confusing. So keeping even just like field labels the same and and having a an understanding of of what everything means cuz what a deal is in one CRM may not be the same in another one. I know Salesforce uses different terminology than Zoho does or than HubSpot does. Like everybody uses different types of terminology to pretty much describe the same stuff, but 
It's about understanding how it works in that system and yours too. Because the system that you set up and implement for your company is going to be different than somebody else does for theirs. You know, it's all going to end up looking different in the long run. So, yeah, that makes sense. So what I find kind of along those same lines, and I love how you map that out across the modules, leads, contacts, accounts, to be aligned, right? And there's nothing more frustrating than when I was selling was when I converted a lead, but I had to go back in and retype the stuff in the contact because the stuff from the lead wasn't mapped to the contact module. So I just said, well, I'm not doing that. And I just left it blank. And then we go back into that whole adoption standard, like, that whole, that's where the rubber meets the road. Those are inefficiencies and redundancies. If you don't standardize it, leads to that drop off from an adoption and those challenging conversations probably with your sales team. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Oh, 100%. And I think that's why I I enjoy CRMs is one of the first one I ever used was because yeah, if your process is inconsistent, so a little story, I started with a company and I was their first outbound sales rep. So I was given all of these leads from their lead module and I called on all these people and I would sell them stuff and I'd get really excited. And then it would turn out that they were already a customer because they were already a contact, but nobody had converted the lead into a contact. So I wasn't aware that they were already a customer. Mm. So I mean, there's literally nothing worse (laughs) as a salesperson to like think that you're You've got a sale and that you've done a good job. And then it's like, oh no, you didn't. They were already a they were already a customer. So <laughs> that's like a big inconsistency that can cause a lot of low morale in your team if if you're running into things like that. So so yeah, it's really important to have not only consistent customizations, but a consistent understanding of how the system works and and what to do with the records. I love the story, by the way. I think it's, I've probably done the same thing at some point in some way, shape, form, or fashion. But everything that I think through when I'm talking about sales with, with my team or just with my colleagues or my network is it's all about driving efficiencies, right? If I can squeeze out another percent of time for my team to actually be selling, right? Versus getting into CRM and getting bogged down with, yeah. I got to copy and paste this. I got to redo this because that didn't map over where I got to click three times versus clicking one time, all that equals a time suck to your sales team. That Because you know they have to do it, right? That we need the information in there. That's kind of our database of record, right? We need it. So that requires them to do things that are inefficient, ineffective, which leads to frustration, low morale, because like, why do I have to do this 15 times? Exactly. I am learning that having someone like, you know, what you do and, and, to help kind of orchestrate that and make sure right from the get-go or somewhere in between that those things are mapped out. I never really understood as much of the value until I you, you get into the weeds and understand where those breakdowns start to happen, those gaps. Yeah. So here's the one that, this is probably where we could spend a gazillion hours, is on change management, which I think completely goes, is it fair to say, Sarah, like how you roll it out, how you kind of lay it out, dictates good, bad, and different adoption, right? Whether it's good or it's bad or it's going up or going down. It's how it's rolled out. It's how it's implemented. Is that a fair kind of correlation, if you will? We'll say that again. It just like, what do you mean? It it comes down. I mean, that's definitely an important piece. Yeah. So let's say all these things that we're kind of putting together, you're rolling out a CRM. It's got to be standardized. So the fields come out. Hey, I created a field. You need to let your sales team know what the hell that goes in that field now, standardizing that across the sales team. How does marketing use that field? 
But actually rolling that out, I kind of think of playbooks like, hey, have you articulated what this area is for in the CRM? That's going to be the leading indicator in my mind, how well adoption goes across the board, especially if you have a large, if you have a small team, it's pretty easy to manage. But is that a pretty fair assessment? Yeah, definitely a leading indicator. And I mean, and just monitoring it over time, how it's being used. And if there's like automations that are put in place, are they firing correctly? Is is everybody like understanding how to go in and use it? I mean, regular conversations and, and check-ins are, are also very important because just because you implement something one way doesn't mean it's going to stay that way. Your team, once they get in there and they start using it, might find ways to do it better. So I think when you are implementing it, it's great to have voices from your team or anyone who is going to be using it on a day-to-day basis. I think a lot of times CRMs are implemented and managed by IT teams or leadership. That's fine and it's great. However, you do need to have the voice of the everyday user constantly there. Like, how is it going? How can we make it better? How can we improve it for you? Because, you know, yeah, just like you said, a few extra clicks mean a few seconds, a few minutes, a few hours. I mean, all of that adds up over time. So how can we make it easier for them and just regularly checking in and taking their feedback and being open to changing what you initially implemented? Don't be so stuck like, you know, oh, we did it this way. It has to stay that way. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't change it. It's constantly, constantly changing. So so there's a couple of things that I want to get your thoughts on. I remember when we rolled it out many moons ago that the consultant that we work with helped us build playbooks to say, okay, here's what this section does. So it kind of became part of our training. We rolled it out, so on and so forth. So when you're rolling it out initially, there's two buckets. Hey, rolling it out initially and kind of getting people aware of how to use this, what this tool is, where things go, why it goes there, what this field is used for. That's one piece. That's the initial And then the other piece of it is, what's the feedback loop, right, Sarah, on, okay, is it working the right way? Are we liking it? Do we need to switch this? What do we need to do here? So there's two kind of ongoing and initial. Like, yeah, I feel like the playbook gets missed. Are you a believer in the playbook? I've heard both ways. I've heard people say, hey, listen, we just kind of roll it out and it's more feedback loop right from the get-go. What's your thoughts around that? I think training manuals or playbooks or things like that can be hard to kind of put in place because like I said, things change. Your process is going to probably change. Sales isn't so structured that it's this step one, step two, step three, step four. It'd be wonderful if it was, wouldn't it? But it's not. There's so many variables that that have to play. So, so I think onboarding and training is really important and documenting things that Yeah, I mean, if you're able to document, but it's important to keep up with it. Because I think a lot of times, you know, when you initially roll something out, it's easy to create something, but then it it can be hard to remember to go back and and update that and update those materials or even just onboarding new people. Because a lot of times it's like, oh, you've worked with the CRM in the past. Okay, you'll be fine. Here's a login. Here's our system. You'll be fine. You'll figure it out. And it's like, oh, it's they don't understand what all of this means in, in your language. Yep. So uh, training and onboarding is so important, but what exactly it looks like is going to be different for everyone and, and what works best for, for you and your team. You know, some people like videos. I have clients who are like, just record you creating a lead and doing this and doing that. And then we'll save that video so that we'll, we can reference it later. 
other people are like, we want screenshots and we want to see exactly, you know, what other people's like, just write it out. We just want it written out. So what those materials look like just really vary depending on the needs, but it is so important. So important. So to your point, I love that because you're like, listen, it's great to do it, but things change so fast. It's hard to keep up with it. Yeah. Hard to keep up. And then, so A, on top of that, it's just make sure you're keeping up. So if you're going to document it, you got to keep up with the documentation to make sure it's up to date. Yeah. I love the catch on your side around the videos and the screenshots because people do learn and people do want to digest things in different way. And, and how you do that internally is very unique to you. Yep. Yep. Everyone has something different. Mm-hmm. What about the feedback loop? What's your recommendation on that? Like, that's not something that you're getting on a daily. I mean, you can always get feedback from your team. Should that be a structured feedback loop? Like, hey, on a monthly basis, we're going to have a quick huddle. And is there anything that we need to be changing to Salesforce or Zoho or Pipe or whatever else out there? Like, what does that look like? Because I'd be very first one to say, I've never really done a formal, hey, should we be reviewing this? Is it still working for us? I think that's a miss on my part. One of my clients recently, this has been fun. They added me to their Zoho Slack channel. So they had like a Slack channel where they were all just like asking questions in there and they were like suggesting things, you know, could we add this here? Could we do that here? And I was like, why don't you guys just add me and then I can quickly address any needs that you have. So that one's like really fun because it's a very quick, short feedback loop where it's like, hey, can we do this? And then I can instantly say yes or no. That particular company finds that extremely valuable because I could guarantee you even Zoho support is probably not going to answer you that quickly. You know, <laughs> even if you chat them, you're going to have to explain the, everything going on. So that one's really fun. But then it's also, I think it should be a regular conversation, but it shouldn't necessarily be something that you're like, it really, I like to say adoption starts from the top. So if everybody is using it, then everybody is going to kind of just naturally have that feedback in those types of conversations with each other. But if, upper management's like, we just go in and look at reports and then it's only being used by the managers or sales reps or only half's using it and the other half's not so much using it. It's harder to kind of have a collaborative feedback loop. So I'm always more on the side of like getting everybody onto the CRM and getting everybody involved and trying to get everybody's workflows built in there because it's not as much of just a sales tool anymore. It's got marketing, it's got support, it's got social, you know, there's a lot of a lot of features that that can be built in that's that's not just sales anymore. So, it's definitely not just for sales teams. <laughs> yeah. I think that's good. That, that's a great call out that hey, listen, doesn't need to be formalized or does it can be as quick as a Slack channel dedicated to Zoho, Salesforce, whatever your CRM system is to get those quick insights back and forth. One of my questions for you is, it always feels like a slippery slope with CRM. Like you can be managing it very well. And then there's all these ideas that, okay, we want to do this. And like, okay, we're going to do it. Then another field is created. And all of a sudden we don't do it. And they're like, oh, we want to do this now. Like, does that feedback loop, how do you control the feedback loop? How do you really make sure, hey, that's a good idea. We should be like, what's been your, because I'm sure in that Slack channel, you've seen some great ideas or some weird ideas. And you're like, we could, but why would we? Like, what's kind of the criteria you use when you're going through that process? It's just, it really depends on, I guess, like, you know, yeah, what the request is and identifying the why behind it. 
it's like, yeah, that's great, but why in this? Is it really necessary? How is it going to improve your day? Prioritizing too, because like you said, there are a ton of of bells and whistles and there's tons of things to get distracted by and be like, oh, let's put this workflow in place. Let's do this automation. I was talking with with someone today and I was just telling them like, automation is great, but if you're, you don't even understand how to use the system or you don't even know what fields you're tracking, automation's not going to help you. It's just going to make things more complicated and make it worse. So, sure. you know, getting your system into the right place and understanding how to use it and prioritizing what those things are. Like, yeah, what is that, that shiny new feature that you want to do? What is that automation that you want to put in place? What is that integration that you want to set up? and prioritize what those are and then what the timeline looks like because it's not an overnight thing. It's not usually something that you just turn on and you can say, oh, it's working. It's going to be a while before you see the return on investment on a CRM or any type of sales enablement or sales platform like this. You know, It's going to be a little while before you see that return on investment. But if it's implemented and used correctly, then you can definitely really see that in the long term. I think that's a great... I think that's, I mean, it was, it's simple, but I love the, what's the why, right? What's the why behind, like, what are you trying to accomplish with it? Because I know I've done that before where I've asked for something and someone has asked that. And then they're like, oh, if you're trying to do that, we already got that. It's right here, here, and here. Let me just walk you through it. I'm like, oh, cool. All right. Yeah. Great. I didn't know we had that. Exactly. <laughs> right. And so I think just starting with that is a great catch. Yeah. Yeah. And seeing, is it already there? And then if it's not, okay, yeah, this is what we can do. So. Right. So that's awesome. Yeah. So I know we've talked about a lot. How do people get to know more about you, Sarah, more about Virago and the things that you're doing from a Zoho implementation and and management standpoint? How do people learn more about you guys? Um, Well, I have my website. Um, I'm sure you'll link all of this stuff somewhere. All of it will be in the show notes. (laughs) Um, So I have my website. You know, and I'm, I'm fairly active on... I'm not as active on LinkedIn as I'd like to be, but it's LinkedIn. I don't know. I'm just like, I'm probably more active on Twitter. Twitter's just shorter and it's a little bit more fun. So sure. So yeah, I mean, any of those types of social media sites, the company Virago's on there and then me, I'm on there as well. So you can follow just me or you can follow the company. And yeah, we're um, I'm an authorized Zoho partner. So I do primarily talk a lot about Zoho related things on, on the blog, but we also do talk about just sales and CRM related things. So there's different blog articles on there just about just CRMs in general and and some sales things and stuff like that. So, so yeah, I wish I was more regular about writing the blog posts, but (laughs) I'll get back there. I'll get back there, I guess. (laughs) That's awesome. One thing I will say, and one thing I learned quickly offline and having conversations with you and why I highly suggest you reaching out to Sarah, obviously, you, you know, this stuff extremely well. But the thing that really resonated with me is the fact that you're the very first one that said, hey, if, if Zoho is not a fit, then hey, I'm the very first one to say, hey, you should be exploring other options. And just having that expertise and that ability to do that with that wealth of knowledge, uh, I highly recommend having a conversation with Sarah. Sarah, I sincerely appreciate you coming on. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure having you. Thank you. I really enjoyed talking to you. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Sales Samurai Podcast with your host, Sam Capra. Be sure you subscribe to our podcast and visit salessamurai.io and join the conversation, access show notes, and discover bonus content.